Have you ever turned on a podcast in a public place and started listening, only for the three dumb hosts to suddenly start talking about Wolverine's cock? Well, it might happen if you listen here, so here's your friendly content warning that, um, we're gonna probably talk about Wolverine's cock, and we'll definitely swear a bunch. Hi everybody, I'm Tyler. And I'm Zach. We're your aeronauts and we're back with more word balloons. We've been flying higher in our own hot air, but have stopped our journey to Wonder World to answer your nerdy questions. So with that in mind, Zach, what's our question this week? Which X-Man has the biggest family? I think I have a good guess on this. I'm not sure if I'm correct. Go ahead. Emma Frost. I'm going to say no, but only through technicality of most of them are dead. Okay. Answer? Cyclops. No question. Fucking 40 of them. <laughs> um, we've done multiple episodes on how stupid that fucking family line is. Emma Frost, because I thought about this, the art reason I'm going not, because there were thousands of clones made of her of the Stepford Cuckoos. All of them died, but the five Stepford Cuckoos. Right. And her, and her kind of shitty brother. And possibly kind of... Actually, she has a pretty good standing. She has like seven. I was going to say, I feel like they almost always leave it open that there might be more Cuckoos, too. But, like, I gotta say... Kind of like how there's always Marvel another Girl, Doombot. Havoc, Vulcan, Adam X, Rachel, Ruby, some versions of Franklin Summers, <laughs> Cable, Major X, like, the fucking Corsair, Hepzibiah. But what family has characters that are other also notable? Cyclops. Yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the fucking Guthrie's, like, Cannonball, because two of his siblings have joined the X family of some level. One of them died. Didn't Cyclops... Not Cyclops. Uh, Colossus' sister also joined. Did Magic? that come from the drain? That voice. Yeah, sorry. Uh, editor and so is Steven here. Uh, I was just, you know, sleeping in the sewers. I just answer questions from the skies now. <laughs> I, I just woke up from the sewers. You guys were chatting a little too loud. Uh, Colossus' sister did join, and his brother, Mikhail. They don't ever call him a villain because Colossus is too busy, like, trying to save him, but, like, nothing good comes from Mikhail. I guess Captain Britain and his sister and... McGann through marriage, but like most of them are like three. And then the Cyclops family line is like six generations of X-Men. Uh, so not a hero, which I, I realize, or, and not necessarily an X-Men, more of a villain, but like, how would you count Swarm? I guess that depends on do you count each bee individually or do you Are count... they related? <laughs> For those of you who don't know... Swarm is in the running for the greatest supervillain of all time. Not because he is, because he's actively terrible, but because he lets me say this sentence. Swarm is the brain of a Nazi scientist who put himself inside a colony of bees. So, he is a man made of bees that wears a purple cloak. I think he's spotting Squirrel Girl at some point during that newer run. But what happens if the bees leave the brain? He's just a colony of bee. It doesn't really, like, in some versions, I think there's, like, Does he the get trolled? Bee? Like, I guess... <laughs> the bee. Oh, my God. Swarm versus the red bee. Or it turns out Michael was swarm. <laughs> Michael was taken over by Nazis after fucking red bee was killed by, uh, fucking... I don't remember the Nazi guy that 
killed him. Why do I feel like there's also like a, a flash rogue that's like a swarm of bees called like Hive or something? I don't know off the top of my head, but if you're going to do a Monster of the Week TV show, it's almost inevitable that at some point you will do bees. Bees. <laughs> <laughs> Just bees. Smallville did it twice with two different characters. I, and wasn't like, um, uh, wasn't his friend like deathly allergic to bees in that episode? Probably. I think it was Pete. Also, there's the bee kid from uh, Wednesday, the the Wednesday Adams TV show that came out recently. Still, although he was that. just it's it's trashy teen drama, but it's good trashy teen drama. You would like it. I'm very confident about that. I yeah, the Summers family is huge though. To get back to the question, I just. If there's more cuckoos out there, Emma Frost might have it. I guess that also depends at what point do they become separate people. And like, okay, obviously, like, I have step family, so boning is not actually required to have family. Oh, also, I uh, I made this joke off mic before we started recording, but the X-Men are family. So all of them, that's their family. I can make it even worse. In some versions, in the same way that it was implied at least for a little while, though they seem to have since dropped it, that... Wolverine and Jean Grey and Cyclops were in some level of polyamory and or a thruple. It has also been implied a couple of times that Cyclops is also dating Emma Frost. So we could theoretically combine all of that bullshit together <laughs> into one fucking... So it's not a joke. They are family then, I guess. They're all, they're all just... It, that one was never explicitly said, as far as I'm aware, and I believe they backed off on the Wolverine, Jean Grey, Cyclops, Thruple. Which one? Because they're fucking cowards, and they weren't going to go the full route of Cyclops and Wolverine are also in a relationship with each other. And that's a hill I'm willing to die on. I want that Thruple to exist in canon. As I am all in favor of polyamory, I have many polyamorous friends, for the relationship of those three to work, after the way that they've bounced off each other for years, it does have to be a thruple like that. So that would also put in Wolverine and X-23 <laughs> and Honey Badger and Dakin. And Wolverine's like six other shitty kids. Damn. It doesn't surprise me that he has a bunch of kids considering, you know, old. I think Dakin is the only one that's actually his kid. There was the one guy, uh, an alternate universe son of his that showed up, an alternate future son of his that showed up. Clone kid thing. Clone Clone of clone. Ooh, clone of clone. That's gonna... Honey Badger. She fucking rocks. I oh, love Gabby. Good that it's not a uh, multiplicity situation where it's a copy of a copy and you get number four. Yeah, basically. Well, in order to keep our journey going, we're gonna have to drop some ballast. Luckily, Zach is stuffed to the brim with assorted genre facts. I'll prod him with our... That's... I guess I don't have to prod him. It, these facts are coming loose whether we want them to or not, There's really. no stopping it now. We're just gonna... We're going to release a little bit of pressure off this built-up Zach over here, and he's going to slap us in the face God with some big it, sloppy Tyler. facts about old-school heroes. Phantoma, mystery woman of the jungle. Also known as Phantoma, daughter of the pharaohs. Phantoma. Not where I was taking it with the first one. Yeah, it's a weird thing. It'll yeah, I didn't think pharaohs were going to be involved after that first one. Near to die, and I've read Phantoma stories. I was thinking more of like Shanna the sea Devil, she Devil for a second there. Kind of. We will get to this in a sec. So I was thinking Lady Tarzan. Kind of. We will get to this in a second. Phantoma is actually probably the very first female superhero ever created. Now, the answer of who is that is a little up in the air. 
because things weren't like recorded or thought of as important back in the day, there's the answers are a little unclear. It is believed that the original Red Tornado is the first one to have her own book, while Phantoma is probably the first hero, uh, female superhero. Both of these predate Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Now, Phantoma is a superhero and a jungle girl. So, and I don't, and she's not the first jungle girl, so it's a little more confusing. Jungle girl is Tarzan, but with tits. And yes, that's an objectifying way to put it, but in fairness, most Jungle Girl stories were pretty objectifying. So to understand Phantoma, first we are going to talk about her creator, an absolute lunatic named Fletcher Hanks. Oh, Fletch. Fletcher Hanks is a bad person. I'm just going to get this out there before we talk about him, because I have to acknowledge that before I talk about my weird love affair with this man's creations. Okay. He is a tortured soul and he did no good to anybody. But what came out of it was wild, interesting, terrifying, surrealist comic books. Give me more. For example, all of his works, he did 51 books, 51 stories total, were collected into two books titled, using words from the books, uh, I shall destroy all civilized planets and you shall die by your own evil creation. And then a reprint that collected both of them at once says, turn loose our death rays and destroy them all. Fletcher Hanks is weird because he is one of the oldest people to have worked in the golden age of comics by age. It is an important thing to remember that the superhero genre was by and large created by teenagers. Mm -hmm. That's rad. Uh, For example, Will Eisner, who is one of the most important comic book creators that ever lived, created The Spirit, which isn't super well known today, but to put a reference on it, the Oscars of the comic book world are called the Eisners. Was about 20. He was also Fletcher Hanks' boss. Okay. Fletcher Hanks, in like 1939-ish. Fletcher Hanks was born in 1889, meaning he was almost 50 when he started working in comic books. He became a professional cartoonist in his 20s, around 1912, and oddly enough, was nicknamed Christy because he was a fan of the great baseball pitcher, Christy Matthewson. Oh, not so Stephen he was King, such but... a big fanboy. They just called I him guess? by. That's dude's there's name. a one sentence thing of like he was called Christy because of this, and I'm like, but your name was Fletcher. That's like if we had like a friend in our group that was such a fan of someone like Prince that we just called him Prince. Yeah, it would be like if I called Tyler Samuel because he's a Samuel L. Jackson fan. I'm not doing it, Tyler. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was way too close to feeling like a Milo there for a second. A Milo? (laughs) Morbius. Oh, God. Oh, that fucking movie. We can never get away with it. Anyways, actually shortly before he entered comic books, he was an abusive husband and uh, father. And at one point when his son, who was a teenager, came home and uh, all the money that he had been making for the family and his dad had just disappeared. So he goes to his mom, and her only response to my husband has run off and all of our money's gone with was small price to pay to be rid of the bum. So that's how bad that person was. Like, again, I am making no excuses for this human being. I just, he... Real good riddance, bad rubbish situation? But he's fascinating. Like, Fletcher Hanks Jr. did not find out his father was a comic book creator until people tracked him down because they were collecting his comics. And he was like, what? He was what? These are fucking weird, man. Like, <laughs> a quote of, like, looking through being like, these are weird. And then again, so is Dad. <laughs> but Fletcher Hanks, again, being, like, almost 50, his boss is 20, was also unusual because he did the entire thing himself. 
old school comics were done as a production line. So you would literally have like five desks next to each other. One person would write it, pass over the paper. The next person would do the illustration, pass over the paper. The next person would ink it, colorist, letterer. I'm not sure where the order goes in that order from mm -hmm. there, but you see what I'm saying. I mean, it was literally just like six desks. You might as well just chain the people to it. Fletcher Hanks just sat down and drew the weirdest fucking things I've ever read in Golden Age comic books. I was also slightly horrified while rereading some of his stuff to realize that his style has influenced mine okay. when it comes to illustration, including a favor of really heavy line, like instead of like detail and some of the ways that I draw like necks from the back. I was like, oh, God damn it. Like, I don't know if I'm just bad at them or if I'm mimicking Fletcher Hanks. Or bad at mimicking Fletcher Hanks? No, I'm actually really good at making Fletcher Hanks. Um, okay, then, yeah, I guess. All his stuff was surrealist and weird, as we're about to get to. And then he just disappears. He leaves the comic book industry in 1941. Uh, he serves as town uh, as president of the town commission for a couple of years in, like, the late 50s. And then in 1976, he dies drunk and alone on a park bench, freezing to death in his 80s. He yeah. does not live a good life, but he leaves this weird impression. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, like, um, it's hard to be sad for him because he's a bad person, but also, like... That's still pretty fucking sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a sad situation across the board. He was a sad person who had a sad death. And... But this brings us to Fantima, mystery woman of the jungle. Yeah, okay, so now I gotta get how this jungle crosses over with pharaohs. Please. Just random rewriting later on. But... Fantima, I've read her very first issue, it's wild, it's also only like six pages long, is a blonde white woman in a black nighty that lives in the jungle. She has various jungle-related powers, including the fact that she has visions about all things related to the jungle, which is how she knows about the superplots. And when she uses her powers, which includes flying and sometimes the ability to undo transformations or to do transformations and super strength and whatever. Her skin turns light blue and her face turns into that of a skull. What? Wow. <laughs> it's baller as fuck. That's rad as shit. <laughs> it, uh, it reminds me of the Invisible Woman in um, uh, Venger Bros. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just see the bone? I have not watched oh, Venger Brothers to it, see if I've seen this episode. She can only make her skin invisible. Oh, oh I have seen this. Yes, 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 yes. Like human flesh. One comic historian described her as simultaneously grotesque and goofy, horrific and hilarious. The strip truly defies description. And having read it, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. The very first issue is just her hanging out in a tree, again, in a black nighty. No shoes, no nothing. Just a white girl in the, <laughs> I guess, the African jungle? I think presumably, Africa. Uh, presumably, if she's the daughter of the pharaoh, uh, unless she co commutes. <laughs> <laughs> I got always thought the Amazon for some reason until reading more about this for this episode. I think when I think jungle, I just think of the Amazon because it's the fucking Amazon. Right. But rereading it, it there's makes jungle sense. in Africa. Yes, this man, a super scientist with a dangerously pointy mustache, like. Just kind of looks like two spikes coming out either side. Okay. Uh, compared Has to come up uh, Daredevil's with... belt. Yes. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just going with yes. Just yes. Um, has come up with a plan to conquer the world. And it is a very simple plan. He has created a serum that makes apes super intelligent. 
but they also make him his slaves. Okay, Grodd? But a white dude. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know much about slavery, but I don't think I would want to have super intelligent yeah, slaves. No, it, it not only makes them super intelligent gorillas, they, it also makes them endlessly loyal to him. And I mean, he apes together strong, but... Flies to the jungle. Again, it's never said where, just to the jungle, where the mighty Gorgon gorillas, the biggest and most powerful of the gorillas are, so he can catch them. And then there's this, like, three-page spread of them setting up this plan to catch the gorillas, and it's just a pit. It's just a pit with some leaves over the top and then a cage on the top. And literally, it's just like a line of gorillas. Like, if it was the modern day, I'd be like, you just Photoshop clipped art like six of those gorillas. <laughs> and they just all just like walk in in unison, like all follow along. Like, meanwhile, Phantom was like flying through the air being like, this is bad. Don't do this. So, so, so are they at, does the, does the thing actually make them super intelligent or relatively super intelligent after they were the dumbest gorillas <laughs> in the jungle? Literally what I was about to ask. <laughs> and then... They take the paw of one of the gorillas and inject him. And he's like, and that gorilla like screams or something, I don't remember. And the other gorillas come to attack and he goes, no, make them stop and line up. And that gorilla's like, yes, master. And he does. And all the gorillas line up at the orders of the one gorilla. And he injects them all and they become his servants. I mean, I am afraid of the apocalypse, but... Yeah. Phantoma shows up and is like, feels. fucking stop it. Knock this shit off. Get out of here. He's, and scares off everyone but him and well, his yeah, army of gorillas. <laughs> yeah, no, right? Phantom is legitimately terrifying. <laughs> army of gorillas. And he gives them all rifles because he apparently just showed up with like 80 rifles. Dude, have you and, not uh, seen Planet of the Apes? <laughs> Stop it. No, it's 1940. Oh, okay, well then... <laughs> I guess he has Carry on. <laughs> Carry on. Oh, when was the novel written? Though? I have no idea. Anyway. Fletcher really... Hanks was a he, drunk he that he fucking froze to death on a park bench. I don't think he was a big reader. I don't know. I shouldn't make fun of punk drunks that die on park benches. He then starts his plan of taking over the world by just going, go destroy that village. And they go, yes, master. And they do. Phantoma solves the problem by picking up the ape and throw, or not the ape, the human, the scientist, who I don't think is ever given a name in this story, and throws him in front of the bloodthirsty horde where they tear him to pieces in the middle of their rampage. She then undoes the serum, and I think that's almost done off panel. All right. Tune in next month for more adventures of Phantoma. No. No, yes, dude. They're amazing. <laughs> They're so good in a not, like, in a... In a Golden Age comics are weird because they're so primitive. The The style hasn't developed in any way, shape, or form, but they're willing to try anything. It's good like the KFC Double Down is good. It's not actually good, but it's interesting. It's, um... It's good like Dada is good. Like, they're just like Dada art style. They're just trying new things. They're doing stuff. They're throwing shit at the wall just to see what sticks. Much better metaphor. It's mm -hmm. good in the way that Axe Cop is good. Although now I want to double down. Sorry. I, I'm sorry to have cursed you with this. I bought us pizza. We'll be okay. Yeah. Um, With crispy chicken. It was good. <laughs> There's uh, more, I think. Anyways. So, uh, we've mentioned Jess Nevin's Encyclopedia of Golden Age Heroes before. It came up in one of our previous ones, but they're great because they give summaries. Phantoma fights, among other things, ivory hunters, an array of mad scientists, and alien dinosaurs, a man turned into a jungle demon, the type... 
Alien dinosaurs? Alien dinosaurs. Okay, just wanted to make sure we the were on the The tiger woman of Wildwood Mountain, cavemen, and a mummy scientist. There's not a comma between that. It's not a mummy and a scientist. It is a mummy scientist. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. I'm just... Is he a scientist on mummies or a mummy scientist? Or is he... Is he my mummy? Is he a scientist who was mummified or was he a mummy who became a scientist? I don't know. It just says a mummy scientist. I read as much of this stuff as I can when I'm introducing characters I know, but like some of these are hard to track down. I have so many questions about this mummy scientist. Like a character that I really want to teach about in the future is the magician from Mars, but I don't know if we will because it's so fucking hard to find anything on her. It's just such a good name. Um, it is. Anyways... Phantoma is later read after uh, Fletcher leaves the book is later redone as just a normal jungle girl without the cool fucking skull powers, which defeats the entire goddamn point. And Bad she's move. explained as a uh, an Egyptian princess revived to protect the jungles. Hence the Pharaoh thing. Okay. Which that's sucks. Dumb. Yeah, that's you bad. have this bitch and skull lady, <laughs> and instead, I don't care how fan servicey you get with that. If she's got a, she is literally just a fucking skull with hair on top of it. That is too cool as shit not to keep. Yeah, I I want her skull face to team up with the phantom. Oh my god, and his yes. skull ring. Yes. Oh my god, everything and the shadow. Yes. Just like all sorts of like, she should be in a lot of pulp stuff. Uh, there's actually a book that came out of her within the last couple of years through another company we've mentioned before, Chapter House Comics, which is the Canadian comic book company uh, yes. that released their own version of Phantoma, which I have picked up the first volume, but I have not read it yet. That is just, I think, much more of a traditional ghost story and moves away from the Jungle oh. Girl area. I mean, still cool skull-faced lady, but like... I think if you're going to do Phantom, you really need to lean into how fucking bizarre this whole thing is. And you need Lady Tarzan with a skull face and unlimited whatever story powers. like And Billy Zane. And Billy Zane. There's something kind of Adventure Time about her to me. like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She does feel kind of like random princess, non-princess. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I see it. Phantom. Sweet. I, that face is going to haunt my dreams. <laughs> yes, it will. It is a terrifying. Very disturbing art, and I love it. But that's it for today, folks. We're taking off. But before we go, we'd like to remind you to hit subscribe and check out all of our sister shows at earvrm.com. That is E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Other ways to get in touch with and follow us will be in the show notes. As always, we want to give a special thanks to our editor, Stephen Gady, and to Ian Ford for our theme song tracks. Until next time, I'm Tyler. I'm Zach. Up, up, and away. Up, up, and away.